0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. I, now I'm sounding like Dax Shepard. <laughs> um, that, that is exactly what you sounded like. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> I'm Sassy Sandy. <laughs> Here with my partner in crime. Uh-huh. Mm, hilarious, Henny. Oh, good one, good one. I I was wondering what you were going to come up with. <laughs> I honestly didn't. Anyways, episode one hundred and five, beyond the weight with Henny and Sandy. I didn't real. I that just I didn't think about doing that before, and it automatically caused me to have a hot flash. Oh, like that no. <laughs> A little bit of like anything stressful like that yeah, causes yeah. me to immediately start getting a little, <laughs> a little warm. So Henny, it had a shake, rattle, and roll kind of night. Okay. All of a sudden, Phil gets like he gets up and he's like oh my god oh my god and I was like I got up and like I didn't say a word it, there was an earthquake oh. and it was oh. and it was a long one oh. and it was really shaky so long that at one point I was like is it getting stronger like I don't oh my god are, like yeah but we never had it we never said anything but he was like oh my god oh my god it woke him up and this was just after midnight yeah so so it was literally a shake rattle and roll night literally yeah do you know what else this week is
1: what's this week
0: well i don't know why i said what else because i didn't say anything was (laughs) i mean it was it was earthquake week i don't know (laughs) it's nine years that i've been at my goal weight's Hey, Sandy, that's incredible, right? Yeah, yeah. congrats. Thank you. I was like thinking, oh, I remember it was April and it was in the 20s. And I was like, yes, yeah. it I felt, you know, I think it's been, I said, oh, my God, it's been nine years. Yes, nine years. Oh, wow. Okay,
1: so I just heard something today. I don't know if it's like a worldwide statistic. I, I imagine it's American. But I just heard today that there's a 5% chance of people keeping weight off for five years or more
0: yeah wow nine years
1: that's amazing i know
0: it sounds like a long time yes it is a long time. it is a
1: long time yeah that's why it sounds like a long time that's a that's a big
0: week congrats thank you thank you you. (laughs) Yeah. anyways i wanted to share that with you yeah i'm glad you did and also I, I'm just gonna say, like your your arrow garden is like flourishing. I mean, so far so good. So which which herb? Uh, it looks like the 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 basil is yeah. So the the
1: basil is growing. I mean. Basil has big leaves, right? Like it is a bigger plant than some of the other plants that are there, but it is it is the tallest and the and the thickest, and actually the slowest thing to grow is the mint.
0: Well, and that is surprising
1: because it's right? so invasive. And the mint was supposed to was supposed to be one of the first ones to sprout. It was the last of the six. Oh.
0: So so I don't know what's going on with the mint. Yeah, and so I. I had Googled the Arrow Garden, and then when I saw, because there's all kinds of YouTube videos and stuff. I'm sure you've right. looked and seen, but um, how full that can get inside. I know. I had said to you because yeah. you were like, you know, what are you going to do with all of this stuff? First of all, curly parsley they say will last like a few weeks in in the uh, in a crisper. Okay. Like if you are, yeah, but. I was thinking I and cuz you use olive oil now that you yes. could maybe want to like infuse some oils. It's super easy to do. Yeah. It's just take olive oil and then you you chop up your herbs and then you put them in a jar and fill it with some oil and then just leave it there for like a week and a half or so. Yeah. I have been enjoying mine so much that okay, especially when I'm massaging my kale. <laughs> uh-huh. Because my kale salad always has like a lemon um, dressing, okay. but my, I use my lemon infused oil. Okay. To massage it. Okay. But I, every time I, I like, it totally tickles me because as soon as I take the, the lid off and I have a, I have a basil and, um, basil and something else okay I time basil and thyme when I did and as soon as I take the lid off I can smell it it just smells it yeah. really tickles it just tickles me <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so super chuffed about it you know I made this yeah well <laughs> I, I mean that. with my little jar that, I made this <laughs> that might be me yeah but I was yeah. thinking about that because you already you do use olive oil yes uh, which I think both of us for a long time were probably pretty uh not as generous or or more anti-oil than we absolutely.
1: are now. Yeah, absolutely. For a long time, I was. Yeah,
0: and so now I'm just like it's it's all good.
1: Yeah, I'm all about it now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Same. So. mm mm-hmm. But I make most of my salad dressings that um, have olive oil in them. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and olive oil, and it lasts. You know, I'm not going to make a gallon of it or something crazy. So, anyway. <laughs> of course. Well. <Anyway. laughs> Any who that,
1: that you never know. That might be me. You never know. You can make an infused oils. Who knew? Crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy.
0: Next Christmas, you're all family. Infused oils. <laughs>
1: They'll be like, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, one of my sister-in-laws will be like, this is great. And everyone else will be like what is this? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so what you got for me this week? All right. So I've, I've got, I've got a few things okay. and
1: a couple of them are things that we've both watched or listened to. And then one is, is just something that I want to chat about that I've, that I've just started reading myself. So, okay. So let's start, let's start with what I've just started reading because it's All of these things kind of link together. So I just started reading a book yesterday and the book is called what we don't talk about when we talk about fat by Aubrey Gordon. And I saw the I saw this book posted on Instagram by someone who had read it and she, she had written a review of the book and yep. review was so interesting that I thought I need, like, I need to read this book. And so I messaged her like i I have no idea who this woman is not a clue but i just i was so touched by her review that i sent her a message and said like i'm really interested in reading this book i'm interested in the ideas that you've shared here in your review blah 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 and so she messaged me back and said oh she's like that's great like let me know if you read it so i haven't finished the book so i haven't messaged her yet but i will um, just because that's you know another perspective and it's very interesting and yeah you know. so I've started reading this book. I mean, first, we've talked about this before. Like, we've talked about the use of the word fat and how we feel about it. And the book, of course, like, it's like every other, every other sentence has the word fat in it. And she, right away from the beginning, says, like, this is, this is a word. This is what it, to me, this is what it means. This is how I'm using it to describe things, whatever. She's like, I'm not using it with any um connotation I'm using this to describe a person you know whatever it is and and so I'm I think because I'm hearing it so much I'm I'm starting to feel a little less like uh you know shocked every time I hear it but um and so she right away the author right away says like here's my positioning this is who I am this is where I'm coming from when I'm writing this book and and so she's a woman who she says at the beginning of her book at the writing of the book weighed on earth 340 pounds Mm -hmm. and had weighed just over 400 pounds but had lost some weight and And so she right away talks about like what this book is and what this book isn't. And she's very clear to say that this, you know, that the book is really about um, like anti-fat bias and how we live in a society where people are overtly and covertly biased towards people because of their size. And that's the real like idea I guess behind this whole thing. And and she and so she writes right from the very beginning, she says, "You know, I'm very happy with my life. I'm very happy with my body. I'm not interested in uh losing weight. I'm not interested in changing the way that I am. Like this is the the body that I have. This is the life that I have." And and you know, this is kind of what I'm what I'm interested in, in talking about. I want to talk more about how it, it, what it's like to live in a body like mine in the society we live in. And so right away, I'm like, okay, like this is interesting, but also a part of me is like always thinking to myself. Like I'm always thinking, okay. So when I weighed 300 pounds, which I did for many years of my life, was I happy with my life? Yeah. Yeah. Was I happy with my body? No, but I wasn't unhappy either. Yeah. You know, but did I, like, did I want to lose weight? Not always, but at some point I did, right? So right away at the beginning of this book, I'm thinking, like, oh, my goodness, like, am I... The fact that I wanted to lose weight at some point, like what does that say about me? Like, and so oh. I, I was like, oh, oh, I, I'm not sure. Like I was very conflicted right at the beginning of the book. And and so here's one of the things that that real there are a few things, but here's one of the things that got me thinking. Because of course, she in the introduction, she goes through a bunch of definitions. And so she talks about anti-fat bias. You know, aka fat phobia, this idea yeah. that people have an aversion to or discriminate against uh, obesity or people with obesity. But then she also says, you know, another term that's important to understand is this term called healthism. And healthism yeah. was a term coined in 1980 by a doctor who, and, and the idea was making health like a moral imperative that you need that in order to be a good person, you needed to be focused on being the healthiest version of yourself. And so then, so then of course I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, okay, but like, I, I think I kind of feel like that. Like, I mean, I don't think that if you're not focused on your health, that makes you a bad person, But I also like so much of my recent life has been focused on being healthy and what healthy means to me and what healthy feels like to me that I'm like, okay, but, but this is like, I, I don't know, like, like you're, it it sounds like this idea of healthism where people are putting health above all else is a negative thing. But then there's a part of me that's like, okay, but shouldn't I want to be healthy? Like, isn't that a good, you know, but, but then also I live in a society that tells me that that is what I should be going for. And so I was like, Oh my goodness, like this, this book is going to give me a complex, <laughs> but okay. But then Part of this idea of healthism is that there is an assumption that people should be working towards their health all the time. And I think that's the difference, right? Like there's a difference between you deciding for yourself that working to become more healthy is important to you yeah. and ascribing that to every other person you meet in your life. So, so there's that. The other part of healthism is this underlying assumption that to be thin means to be healthy.
0: Yeah. And
1: as soon as she said that, I was like, oh, I see where you're going with this. Now I understand what's happening. And it really got me thinking about the masterclass, the functional nutrition masterclass that you shared with me. Um, that was held by Josh Katalis, as, as you've talked about in the past. And he, so he did this little like webinar masterclass about functional nutrition and about, you know, the, the number one strategy that he has, or the number one tool he has for being healthy and stuff like that. But what the connection between this book that i was reading and this talk that he did was that he started by saying let's define what health is yeah and and so he started with the world health organization's definition which is to be healthy is to be at a stage where your physical mental and social well-being are complete it's that health is or health or not like being healthy or not healthy has nothing to do with the absence of disease or having a disease in instead it's focused on are your physical mental and and social well-being fully intact and i was like okay very interesting and so he talked about this idea that that health is never like it's not like you achieve health and there you yeah. are he's like health is your health is always moving and it's always going up and down and and everything that you do is either moving you towards greater health or towards you know poorer health and and yeah. and, and that's just what it is like that's life yeah and so I just was I was really fascinated by that 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 I do think that there is a general consensus in our world that if you are thin you are healthy and if you are not you aren't and and yet what we'd heard like what you and I both heard in this master class was clearly like a very different message right
0: very different and what he also said was That the the first thing that he, because he has his own private practice, is the first thing when he starts to work with with a new client is that if you are not getting enough sleep, you know, if you don't have healthy relationships in your life, like if you're not doing all of these basic things, which, again, you're being active, you know, you're you're, uh, trying to eat in a healthier way, Mm -hmm. like there's no... It doesn't matter what else someone suggests for you, prescribes for you, uh, offers you, you are not going to be successful in achieving, you know, a healthier life because you don't have the fundamentals. I think they called those like the fundamentals Mm -hmm. of it. And so right away, I thought, okay, well, that's what WW is doing. Mm -hmm. Like those, those are the pillars, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, that, you know, for too, for too long, either, and and for some of us or some people that still today is that we're wanting some sort of a magic pill or something to, Mm -hmm. to be able to, to give us some level of health that we think we need to be at, or like you said, getting to a level and then you're like, done that. Yeah. I don't need to do anything else. Yeah. I also would say that I struggle with when you were explaining about the, the premise of the book yeah. and then some of the things. I, I, I find that there's a bit of a, there is kind of a, a disconnect sometimes for myself too, where I'm like, uh, oh, that's not really the way I feel. Or, yeah. geez, am I too too involved with thinking that these are the things that I need to do? But then at the end of it, it's like what I'm doing has no, like no one else has to do. The only person who is directly affected by the things that I am doing for my own health mm-hmm. is my husband because he is also involved. He, he eats what I prepare for him. Mm-hmm. So you know, mm-hmm. we, were, we chatted because the other thing that um, was mentioned in the, that um, master class was about being predisposed to different conditions yeah because of hereditary you know that factors yeah yeah like your uh, genealogy genes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know I was talking I was Phil and I were chatting about this at dinner last night and he said that's like he said like my grandfather um, and my dad both had and then he said well I think it's like age onset diabetes and i said well interesting they don't even call it that anymore because that's where it used to be and unfortunately the percentage of people with diabetes are not older people yeah. and it's not um uh what do you call it? it's two stages right of uh, I, I yeah so so type 2 diabetes thank you <laughs> type and, 2 but, and they so, but they used to refer to it as adult onset correct yeah I said to him, and they don't anymore. But and so he said, "Well, so what are you telling me that as a result of me eating, like I, I'm relying on you to take care of that for me because I'm eating all of the foods, whatever?" And I said, "Basically, yes. Yeah. Because there is, like, the type two diabetes is completely within people's control, to my understanding. Yeah. It's through diet, through exercise." And, and so your dad and grandfather have that because of their lifestyles. Right. You know, it wasn't, they weren't born, they were not born mm-hmm. diabetic, you know, that, mm-hmm. this is something that evolved and they mm-hmm. both, maybe you're, maybe you have a disposition or, or a greater yeah. chance of it happening, but you also have full control over it not happening to you. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we hear, well, oh, all of my family was overweight, so that's why I'm overweight. Oh, all of my family is this, and so that's why I am. And Mm. that's not 100% true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think the trick, like the tricky part is that it's not 100% true, but it's also not 100% false. Correct. Like like there is this gray area, right, where... Where you are genetically predisposed to certain things. Yeah. Um, and so you
0: have some control, but not total control. But but you do have some. And I think that's the key, honey, is that it's not to say, well, I have... This is going to happen because this has always happened to every female in my, in my correct, family. Correct, correct, correct. And so it doesn't matter what I try and do. Why should I bother? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's not a... Yeah, it's a difference between.
1: Um, well, I guess it's not a difference. It's 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 not okay, I think, to say this is what I'm genetically predisposed to. So this is an excuse for whatever it is that I may or may not go through. Correct. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I I mean we we also know that there are lots of things going in our going on in our bodies that we don't quite understand and that we. We have varying amounts of control over, right? So, yeah. like I remember for a very long time, um, you know, it it was all about like cholesterol was a big thing. Mm. Like, control your cholesterol. This is what you eat. This is what you don't eat. Cholesterol, cholesterol. Well, I mean, eighty five percent of your of whatever your cholesterol level is is dictated by your genes. So, so I mean, you do have a very Small piece of control, but for the most part, you actually don't, where th- where that particular medical marker is concerned. You know, so yeah. it it's is a hard thing to say,
0: you know, one way or the other, because it's it's a little bit of both, right? Yeah. But the reason that we were always so concerned about cholesterol really has to do with with uh, food food manufacturers for sure. I mean, we know that now at that time. At the, at the time. time, we didn't. No, yeah. we did not know. Yeah. We were, we're actually being fed that, that information yes. and enough For that sure. we believe it with For somebody sure. having an ulterior motive that we don't know about. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. We're not privy to that. No. Mm-mm.
1: So, okay, so I keep going with the book. And yeah. Like at first, I'm a little on the fence about it, you know, because I'm I'm having this little crisis about you know what I'm listening to and what I'm feeling, and yeah. so I keep going. So the f- that was the introduction. The first chapter of the book, um, it's a little bit like it's a it's a mixture of memoir and fact, right? So it's a little bit of things that have happened to her, and then a little bit of like actual like actually there's a lot of research science experiments um you know different statistics and and lots of quotes and you know so it's 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 quite an interesting mix and so she goes into this um whole story of an experience that she had flying on an airplane and like and you know it was bad you know and and she get and it was interesting to listen to some of the facts too about the how over the over the past several years in an effort to save space and squeeze more people onto the Mm -hmm. same plane how plane seats have shrunk like the average plane seat to be 18 and a half inches wide now the average plane seat is only 17 inches wide the leg room has gone from like 35 five inches to want like so so everything is becoming more compact in an airplane so that planes can charge money and, and fit more people she tells this story that this happens to her and then she's telling the story to a friend of hers And the friend said, well, you must have done this to bother that guy. And she's like, no, I didn't do that. And she's like, well, did you ask for this? And she's like, yes, of course I asked for that. Like, it was all these, like, the friend was, like, trying to say, well, like, trying to figure out how she could have managed the whole situation better. Of course, she's done everything she was supposed to do to manage the situation in the best possible way. And so then finally, the friend says to her, well, if you don't like it, maybe you should lose some weight.
0: Oh, Her ex-friend, you mean.
1: (laughs) And so it was at that moment that, like, my whole, you know, not sure if this book was going to be for me or not completely changed. Because I was like, aha. Because to me, saying to someone, well, if you don't like the way you're being treated, you should lose some weight. Is the same as saying to a woman, "Well, if you don't want to be catcalled, you shouldn't wear that." Yeah, you know what I mean? Like to me, it is the exact same thing. And yeah. so, even if someone is carrying weight that is potentially making them unhealthy, it's not my place to say anything. Yeah and you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. and 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 so this is where this book is going that that our society is constructed in such a way that we are trained to believe that to be a certain size is what is healthy and is what is optimal is what is normal and if you don't fit that then you're a nuisance to society. You're, you know, and and you should be made fun of, discriminated against, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And like, and that, but that's the, that's the unconscious bias that the majority of us carry when mm-hmm. it comes to body size, right? And and she, she's she was saying that um, there are. F- at the writing of the book in, to, in 2020, there were uh, 48 out of 50 states. It is perfectly legal and acceptable to discriminate against people when it comes to employment, when it comes to access, access to a restaurant, like any, in any of these like, public spaces. It is perfectly legal and acceptable to discriminate against people because of their size. In 48 out of 50 states, the only place it is illegal to do so is in Washington State, Michigan, and the District of San Francisco. And so, so then, of course, I'm thinking like, well, what are the laws in Canada? Canada, yeah. Tell me. I, I haven't looked it up. I mean, I what? need to. I need to do that. But but I'm trying to think like. I don't know as body size makes the list. Hmm. And so, so then of course it gets me thinking about other things because I, I, the very first time that I joined WW, I was in, uh, was I in grade 12? I think so. And I remember my dad saying to me that his biggest worry for me was that despite the fact that I was so competent that it's that he worried that I wouldn't be hired as a teacher because of my size. And at the time when he said it to me, I remember thinking, like, that's crazy. Like, someone wouldn't hire me because I weigh 300 pounds? Like, that's ridiculous. But I don't think it's that ridiculous. Like, I think that people don't like to see people who carry a lot of extra weight. And so if you are a person in a a position where you are very visible, I mm-hmm. think that, I think that is a strike against you when you walk into an interview. I really believe so.
0: Hmm.
1: And so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah. you know, I had, a, you know, when I was applying for teaching jobs, I had like four or five interviews and I did get one of those jobs. I got one of the positions, but, but like, I'll never know if yes. those other positions that I didn't get, if that was the reason if it played a factor i i don't think that it was the reason but i wouldn't
0: doubt that it played a factor but henny would you you if your dad had not said that to you would that have even crossed your mind if you did not get a job no no And at the time, like when I was applying for
1: jobs, it never, like, I never considered that as a reason either. I just assumed they had internal candidates and that's the reason I didn't get the job (laughs) because I figured I was awesome. So anyone should want to hire me. So, you know, (laughs) I never considered that, but looking like retrospectively, maybe, I don't know.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: I don't know. Because I do think that people don't like. There is something very negative about the way that people view. um, People who carry a a lot of extra weight. Like I think people who, you know, who carry a little bit of extra weight. I, I don't know is, I don't know what the general perception is of that. I feel like it's not as big a deal but I think when when you are when when you are a a very heavy person as I consider myself to have been I I think people don't like it I think it makes the I don't know if it makes them uncomfortable I don't know if they if they just find it disgusting like I don't know what it is but I think people don't like it Hmm. and I do think that that's a true thing now I I By no means do I think that everyone believes that. By no means do I think that I like. I do not believe that I have had a like hard done life or hard done by life because of the because of the size of my body. I think I always had. Uh, a very good support system I always had friends I always had I always was able to accomplish the things that I wanted to accomplish like I'm this is not a this is not a sob story for me yeah. um, but it does make me think about how people react to people of other size and like and particularly of larger
0: sizes right mm-hmm. so do you like I and I'm just thinking about this do you People like to work and be with people who are like them. Yeah. And so it would be interesting, you know, to see if what the statistics are for someone who, uh, a larger person who is the person that's doing the hiring, Mm. whether you know, they are more likely to offer positions to people who look more like them than people that don't. I don't know. And and vice versa.
1: Yeah, that would be interesting. That would be interesting to know. There is a part in the book where she talks about this idea of implicit bias and then anti-fat bias in particular. And it's one of the types of implicit biases that is growing as opposed yeah. to diminishing as time goes by. Yeah.
0: Um
1: and she also mentions like research that shows that even people who are um who who, who are heavier or who do carry extra weight are like also have these biases. Yeah. And and I believe that 100% because I think I have them too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um Yeah. Anyway, so that was interesting to me. And so the, so now I'm in the second chapter of the book. The second chapter of the book is more statistics and things about who carries extra weight and, and, um, and in what areas and what demographic. And also now she's starting to talk about this whole idea of diet culture
0: Mm.
1: And so now there's a whole section about Weight Watchers and yeah. W, and this is very interesting to me as well. So she so she was a member of Weight Watchers back and she talks about the the slider that we all mm-hmm. you know that if you were part of WW back in the day you know the slider that I'm talking yep. about you know and if the food had more fiber in it it, yes. was, it was lower in points and so exactly. that's what we're looking for you Fire know out, so she talks about that you know and it was it's really quite fun to listen to because a lot of what she talks about was also my experience she talks about joining. W.W. when she was in her teens and then she goes to this workshop or she you know the meeting at the time and it's all 40 something women and then she's like 16 and I was like okay that also sounds kind of like my life you know so that's kind of interesting um and then but then what was interesting was she she talks about the fact that she remembers being in these weight watchers meetings where all of these women were lamenting the fact that their lives were not as good as they could be and how they were, they were wishing to lose weight because they, they felt like if they lost weight, their marriages would be better. Their jobs would be better. Their lives would be better. And like all of that. And that, I mean a hundred percent you hear those kinds of comments from people but I but I also know for myself and I know because you and I have talked about this before we've even talked about on the podcast if you aren't content with things at 300 pounds you're not going to be you're not going to find contentment at 200 pounds or at 150 pounds you know like like are there things in my life that are easier now because I weigh a hundred pounds less? One hundred percent. Both things physically, because it's easier for me to move in my body, and also things socially because society is more accepting of my body size now than they were before. But are my friendships better No. Is my, like, is my connection with my family better? No. Is my relationship with my partner better? No. Like, like none of those things have been impacted by, I mean, maybe that's a a poor choice of words, but it's not like those, it's not like I had problems in those areas and then I lost the weight and poof, magically everything was okay again. And I think that's In diet culture, in this idea that you must lose weight to achieve something, to achieve happiness, to achieve whatever it is you're trying to achieve. Like, that's the message that we're being sold in this world that is so wrong. And I think that's the message that a lot of people maybe still have about... Companies like Weight Watchers, because maybe that was the message. 40 yeah, years ago, forty yeah. years ago, right? Uh, I, I mean, yes. Am I employed by WW? I am. So, am I the the most um, neutral person to be speaking on this topic? Definitely not. But, but uh, that aside, like as a member of this. Program of this lifestyle, of this, uh, you know, way of living that, that they're selling because they do, they sell it. I mean, I paid for it for a long yeah. time, you yeah. know, um, I don't feel that
0: way. Yeah. You know? hmm Yeah. I, I agree. I, I never felt that they, that, that was a message that was being sold as part of the plan or the program, a subscription or membership. No. That no. losing weight would bring all this joy and happiness. No. Yeah. I mean, I can see, like now, maybe internally that that's that is yeah. part of the messaging. Yeah. But yeah. but the external part and um. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't ever. I know that I've never felt that. That was never yeah. part of. of yeah. And any time, I, I mean, I can't say that I never personally felt that. Right. That, that that was going to be, you know, sort of the the answer to why, you know, why I didn't have a boyfriend, why I didn't go to the prom, why sure. I, yeah, all yeah, of yeah, this yeah, sort yeah. Of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah no.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, so I, I, I'm a third of the
0: way through the book, so who knows oh where it's has Okay, who knows where it's going? <laughs> I can hardly remember, like, I don't even remember, what is it that's two types of diabetes? What is it called again? You know, it's like, honestly feel it's this perimenopausal brain fog. I, that's what I'm going to go with, because otherwise it's scary to think of what's happening. But... Um, <laughs> also I took notes so don't worry (laughs) I take notes too but if I don't do word like word by word I'm like what what does that mean again I gotta kind of fill in the blanks and make this crap up (laughs) okay
1: there's one more thing that I want to talk to you about it's not it's not from the book okay Um, But it's along the same lines. It's along the lines of something we were talking about earlier where like, how much control do we actually have over what our body is doing? Right. Okay. And I am 98% sure that I'm citing this from the correct source. So so you'll have to to tell me if I'm wrong. I think that this was a comment that was made during your favorite podcast armchair Mm. expert jack shepherd he had an episode recently where he interviewed michael moss yes who is the author of the book that you just finished reading hooked that we've talked about for a couple of weeks now people are going to be tired of us talking about michael moss but um so he was interviewed on this podcast and very like fascinating interview such a great conversation. If you're at all interested in checking out Armchair Expert or if you already listen to Armchair Expert and you've heard this episode, you'll have to tell us what you think. But I think that this is where this came from. I believe that it was Michael Moss who was talking about this idea that body fat is not just like something that sits in your body, but is actually an organ
0: Oh, I missed that.
1: Okay. Okay. So, so the fat in your body is an act, like it is an, it it works as an organ because the cells work together as a team to produce or to, to do a job. Like they have a function and their function, of course, as body fat is to protect all the other internal organs. And so what happens with body fat is that. All of those little cells that create the tissue, that create the organ, they're all working together to do their job. And their job is to protect your body. And so when you are doing things to try to get rid of those cells, they are doing everything they can to stop you. And so he talks of, he, he gives that like sort of simplistic explanation of what's happening in your body to say, this is why it is difficult or one of the reasons why it is difficult for people to lose weight, particularly when you're getting down to a, a, a body weight that is healthy, for you whatever that weight might be that 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 organ doesn't want to let go because it doesn't think it should because it can't if it disappears it can't do its job and I was like that I have
0: never heard it explained that way and it makes so much sense it makes a lot of sense which is also would if you flip that why it is so easy to accumulate more because it all its buddies are like come to down. me <laughs> come on
1: down you're the next contestant on save that buddy
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're yeah. so right like doesn't that make yes. so much sense that was like a mind blowing moment that for a me ding 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 It was a ding, ding, ding. It was definitely like the lights were flashing. (laughs) I just thought, what an interesting way to describe that, like, you know, kind of scientifically, but mostly, you know, in layman's terms, you know, to really understand like, yeah, because our bodies, like our bodies are, our bodies are smarter than we are.
0: Yeah. Right. 100 percent. Hundred percent.
1: Yeah. So, it's been a. It's been it's been a wild informational ride for me this week.
0: (laughs) No wonder you're telling me I'm physically ready to go to work, but mentally I'm just drained. No friggin' wonder. You're like got so much going on.
1: So much so much my goodness I was like reliving I was yeah like I, I was reliving so many instances like listening to this story about this woman on the airplane like and I mean once again I never have had such a horrific experience you know she was um and I remember, actually, she so she referenced a, a news story where someone had been asked to leave the plane because they were too heavy. And I remember, like, when that happened. And, you know, of course, nothing like that ever happened to me. But just, just hearing those experiences, you know, and then you're sort of, like, reliving your own things, you know, and she talks about even clothing sizes. Like if you're in from this size to this size, you can shop here, but not there. And if you're yeah. from this size, to this size, you can shop here, but not there. And if you're at this size, you can't really shop anywhere. And I was like, Oh, like, I know all of that. I know that whole world, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, I was this morning, I was like, reliving my, like roller coaster days, you know, and I don't yeah. mean like, Yeah, a life of up and down I mean like a actual literal roller coaster (laughs) and like you know yeah like on two different occasions at two different times in my life like having to leave the line because I didn't fit like oh my goodness like all these things like you know sort of come back to you a lot to think about just that you know we we truly live in a world that is anti-fat You know, Mm -hmm. like it it just, there's, there's very, and I guess that's the thing too, is that there's very little tolerance for it because there is a real sense that you have complete control over your body. And so Mm -hmm. why would you choose to live like this? But we don't have complete control over our body. Yeah. And also... If I choose to live like this, that's my choice. Yeah. You know, so like it's it's a like it's a little bit of both sides that I'm like, okay, but this is not right in either way. Like however you look at it, it's not okay. You know. Yeah. Mhm. Uh, but when you live in the system, it's hard to it's hard to get out of it. But it's also hard some sometimes to see out
0: of it, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I had to Google to see what Canada says about this. And so I'm just looking in the latest thing I could find was some, something from 2016. Okay. Um, and so it says in Canada, you can't fire someone for being gay, refuse to rent an apartment to someone because they're disabled, or pay someone less because they're not married. Um, and it says that across Canada, every province ha- each has their own list of protected classes, which are legally protected from discrimination. Right. Uh, but this says in one, in Ontario, one woman wants body size added to that list because currently it's not on the list. It's not on the list. We know mm-hmm. size discrimination, particularly fat discrimination is a real thing, but it is Not something that anybody has challenged at this point. Right. Yeah. Tough topics with Henny and Sandy. Tough, tough, tough. Okay. So the other thing that I picked up out of, out of the masterclass was. Okay. Yeah. Tell me. (laughs) Okay. Why British people are often referred to as limey. Oh, yeah. Because all the way back when with the scurvy yes did not know that i i have heard that term okay because my grandfather was was british and so it was often something that people said to him or he would say it or whatever you know right 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 um and but i had no reason i had no idea why and it was yes it was all the way back to scurvy and that and it was british sailors and so they started sending along like lime like yeah lime juice yeah on like on the ship so that yes.
1: the sailors w- were would, would not be deficient in vitamin c correct okay. so i'd never heard the story about the limes i'm although i knew about scurvy um yeah. and i'd never heard that i never knew that that people were sometimes referred to as limeys although like it's I don't doubt it and it's it's interesting how those things can last for so long like hundreds of years later and they're still using that terminology even though it hasn't yes like like okay so scurvy still exists it does but it's in small pockets in in different uh, places right so not certainly not um as an epidemic the way that it did you know back in the whenever it was, fourteen, fifteen hundreds.
0: 1500s. Yeah. I think we spoke about scurvy once before, because I'm yeah. pretty sure that at McMaster, there's actually yeah, a clinic it, or something, right? Yeah, yeah, there was a study yes, that done. McMaster Hospital did, yeah. Yeah. Recent, Like, recently, within the last couple of years, yeah. Yeah, because they actually had people who were living, like, in Hamilton who are suffering from scurvy. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. It's, yeah. a, it's it's still a real thing. Well,
1: yeah, because it's related to food security, right? It's related That's, to the idea of of right. not having access to
0: healthy food at all times. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to tell you one more thing that I also found, and this is because it's from the book Hooked. Um, you know, pumpkin spice. So pumpkin spice. Yeah right the f- oh yeah cuz he talked about it in the podcast he talked <laughs> about it in the podcast so i heard. oh yeah. come on pumpkin spice so it was it was really brought to the level of popularity it is now because of starbucks making their pumpkin lattes and pumpkin spice this that and the next thing you know all of all of those things which we would always wait for every year because it's like you know only out for a short time and so when things are out for a short time we have to get as much of it as we can while it's available of course yeah um but that there are these food factories, like um, food labs in, uh, in New Jersey, I believe, that yes. whose job it is to come up with stim- simulating that flavor basically out of chemicals. And it takes 80 different chemicals to make up pumpkin spice. So ev- the next time you're putting those pumps in... Of your sugar-free pumpkin spice into whatever. Think about that. That blew my mind. Like, those things are in our body that are not supposed to be in our body. has no, Our body doesn't even know how to break them down and digest yeah. them. Yeah, that's crazy. Totally crazy. And... And then it's up to all of these, they're flavor houses. That's what they were called, right? Flavor yes, houses. Yes, you're right. Flavor you're right. houses and they're flavor scientists. And it's their job to come up with the least expensive way to mimic it. Yeah. So that their, whatever company, and they work for big food, whatever company that they're working for is able to reduce the price or uh, increase their profitability. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of products, and your house, especially under house, um, the house name of whatever their product is that they sell, like their house brand.
1: Right, right, right. That
0: that was freaking scary and really, really freaked me out. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you think. Definitely, it does. It does. Yeah. Anyway, can you
1: imagine like that being your job?
0: no and how i mean ethically for someone that's like i'm assuming i'm making an assumption that if they say they're a scientist that they actually are like can be a like are a scientist i don't maybe 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 that term in that manner is no is like a loose term correct because Ethically, you'd be thinking as a scientist, why would you want to be a part of producing something that is potentially toxic to people?
1: I mean, because it's potentially delicious.
0: Well, I, I, I get that. And <laughs> hey, lots <laughs> of that stuff is passing through these lips. <laughs> for sure.
1: No no judgment for people who are pumping pumpkin spice into their drinks.
0: But I do believe that we should know Yes, I I agree. Should be informed. It shouldn't be up to us. And no, here's the other thing: is that if you do not think that those are all made of um, chemicals, it's because they can blanketly label it as natural flavoring on the label. There's nothing natural about that. (laughs) No, no. Anyway, crazy. These are the things that stick with me. (laughs) I mean, those are good things, really things. But I'm like, are you joking me? I that the whole we didn't even we won't have time. We don't have time to talk about this today. But the whole addictive nature of sugar free things Uh, totally made me really think about a lot. Well, put a pin in that. We'll talk about it
1: next week. (laughs) 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 We'll talk about it next week. We'll talk about about next week. Perfect. Um, so if, oh, I, if people who are listening to us are also listening to Armchair Expert and have heard this episode with Michael Moss, like chime in, let us know what you thought. If you have, if you've read this book by Aubrey Gordon, What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat, I would really like to hear what other people thought about it. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm a third of the way through, but I'm, but I'm hooked. I'm hooked now. Like I'm in yep. it. So not that you could tell, I'm sure. No, not I that, that I could tell. Chattered for an hour about
0: it. Excellent. Well, it was it was a fantastic discussion. I'm glad that you feel so enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just, yeah. I mean, I don't need to say anything more about it. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting to me because, because I really feel torn, you know, yeah. about about all of these ideas. So, yeah. 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 So I'm I'm uh, definitely interested to hear what other people might think if they've uh, if they've read it. Yeah.
0: All right. When I've just, of course, when you started talking about it, then I had to go to the library and put it on hold on audio and, and also, you know, in ebook as, form. In an ebook form. Yeah. You. Well, you know. <laughs> such a supportive reader <laughs> yeah except for sometimes i start and then i had to get I go like i can't i can't do this but anyways <laughs> it's okay uh-huh.
1: all right danny um an absolute pleasure to chat with you as usual
0: you too my friend um and to everyone else thank you very much for listening um and we wish you a wonderful rest of your day we'll see you next week <laughs> okay bye, bye.